Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. And I am joined here by the man with the worst internet in America. It is Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't going too hot yesterday, so... This is take two. Hopefully, my internet holds up in this one. Yes, a little little inside baseball. We had a, a special edition, eight minute long podcast before the internet kind of cut out last time. So we're going to try to try it better this time. But it seems to be going well. So uh, hopefully, things work out better for us. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing with all the craziness going on in the world? Uh, things. How are you holding up? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Thankfully, in uh, small town Valdosta, there isn't too much craziness going on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure a lot of people here have uh, news or TV that they stay up to t- up to date with. But uh, how's it how's it going with you, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. Yeah, you actually th- th- still have the best internet in your hometown. Luckily for you, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, things are going well for me as well. Uh, and looking forward to getting into you know just talking some sports, which is what we do here. Sort of a, a break from all of that stuff. Uh, and let's just jump into it. Let's just or well, wait. First, I have a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into it. Uh, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to do a podcast every Sunday, just so you guys know. Uh, yes, we this is Monday. We realize it might even be Tuesday by the time this actually gets up. But uh, for the most part, we will be recording every Sunday. We just had a little, you know, internet problems yesterday. Uh, you know, if you want to get the audio only file, uh, you know, we, there's plenty of podcast providers. Uh, we have it up there now. Uh, we're still getting it on a couple others, and you can also. Follow me at Jackson Kruger on Twitter. I'll be posting uh, where it all is at, or just ask me there if you have any questions. Uh, we have uh, also the worst take of the week from last week. Uh, that belongs to myself. Yes, Kyle, you got one in your corner. Myself of Mike Tomlin being the number two head coach. Uh, people said I was way too high on him. I get the worst take. Understandable, I guess, but I will get in my, def- my defense of Mike Tomlin in a second. Uh, but first, Kyle, what is your, uh, what are you going to be making me suffer through as a Tampa Bay sports fan uh, because I had the worst take of the week? Yeah, so I was looking through it, and obviously, there's not, uh, there is a lot to choose from as far as Tampa Bay games that I could pick uh, mm-hmm. for this situation. I decided to go with Game Five of 2008 World Series, Rays versus Phillies. There is a three-hour portion that's on Classic Phillies TV on YouTube. But there is also a seven-minute portion if you want to just get get the highlights of one of those big the biggest games of uh, Philly's history here and want to check out that one. You can enjoy those highlights. 
Yeah, I, I think I'll check out the seven minute one. I think that's what <laughs> I'll do. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, obviously, big Rays fan. That was a very fun season that had a very depressing ending. They lost in five games. Uh, but I think I think I'll still have some enjoyment uh, seeing some of my favorite players play again, although it was in a devastating loss. Uh, and let's just get into some of the the topics we have at hand. Some of what we'll get into is I'm going to be defending um, my Mike Tomlin stance at two and my Matt Ryan stance at six. Uh, Kyle is going to be defending his pick of Aaron Rodgers where he had him. Uh, we have uh, some talk about, you know, hockey coming back potentially, baseball not coming back potentially, how the NBA should organize their playoff schedule and stuff like that. Uh, we're going to get the other sports though at the end though. So if you're just a football guy, no problem. We can just talk football. Uh, we'll stop. We'll just talk football at the beginning and then move on to some other stuff. And so our first topic of the podcast is going to be uh, the fourth and 15 proposal gets shot down. Kyle, what was your thought? Do you like the fourth and 15? Just give me your general thoughts on this whole thing. So I like the concept of doing something interesting and, you know, a little bit different. That's kind of out there as far as, cause the onside, the whole kickoff rules where it has to be the same amount of people on each side. You have to have five and five on each side has mm -hmm. essentially eliminated the chance of recovering an onside kick unless you're young way coup apparently. Right. <laughs> um, but besides that, I mean, I don't know. I don't really like the idea of it. Like, so I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of things that could go into this that would just be really bad. Like, so the first part of this is that it seems like something along the lines here is going to pass eventually. But what if on a fourth and 15, you throw a 75 yard touchdown or, you know, heaven forbid this ruins a saint season on like a pass interference on a fourth and 15 onside kick attempt. And then this is all just going to go up in flames. I, I feel like at the same time, I, I just feel like there's a lot of things to this where, you know, although unlikely, a team could essentially come back from 20 points down without giving the other team the ball. And I understand the point of you want to make it a little more fun, and it's also a way for teams to come back. But I don't want to make it too easy for losing teams to come back and win. I want to give some advantage to the teams that are winning the games to begin with. And I feel like this is almost too easy. I mean, the numbers, albeit much different sample sizes, 8 of 63 onside kicks at 12%, and then it was 28, uh, almost 29% for fourth and 15s converted last year. I mean, there was only seven attempts per converted, or seven attempts to converted, so it's a much smaller sample size. But at the same time, I, I feel like this is going, this is too much of an advantage then for teams trying to come back. It would be such a shame if the Saints got got screwed by this. I would I would be devastated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I disagree one hundred percent. I love this four from fifteen. I think it is a. Uh, I'm glad you disagree because that makes for good podcasting. I think this is the the exact way to go. Uh, I, I, I I'm kind of in this, from the school of thought of you know John Boys throughout the idea of just get rid of kickoffs altogether and just do you basically start every drive with a four from fifteen. And you can either punt, which most teams would do, or just go for it. Uh, I mean, for your first point about uh, if someone scores a 75 touchdown, well, then they get a touchdown. You know, that's a, that's a cool play in football. Uh, I believe the numbers are – it's a bit misleading for last year. I don't have the exact numbers on hand, but I believe what on a 4th and 15 that typically is is pretty similar to what the old onside kick uh, rules were before they changed the rules. So I actually think it's pretty fair. And, again, to your point about – what if a team, you know, a team could theoretically come back from down 20 to win without giving the other team the ball back? Well, theoretically, they can do that now if they get a couple onside kicks. I think the only difference is we're actually changing it from 
a fluky play where you basically just hope you get a, a, a random bounce to go your way to you actually are it's now a football play where you're actually trying to make something happen. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with a lot of that. I just feel like that there are some, I feel like there should be things in place that prevent teams from just whipping off score after score after score. Now, the easy argument back to what I'm saying is that, oh, well, if you just play defense, then you don't have to worry about it. Obviously, oh, it's really easy to stop a 14 15, just stop them, and then that's it. But at the same time, I feel like it should be hard to come back from 50. It should be hard to come back from two scores. It should be difficult to come back in these sort of games. I, I do I do think that this is going to come and I I'm for it coming. I just would rather see something happen in place so that a team can't get a 75 yard score or even get a 50 yard pass out of this. I'd rather see a play where you either convert it and just like start from 15 yards upfield at the 35 yard line wherever you started or something like that. Something that allows doesn't allow the team to like just have a huge momentum swing on one play. Okay, let me try to then. Uh twist a little bit to see if I could fit what, what you prefer. What if we did something like uh, instead of a fourth and 15, it's you get the ball at uh, your opponent's 10 yard line or five, you know, we'll just say 10 yard. Uh, we, can, we can go like 15 yard line. I don't know the exact distance because I don't know what the numbers would show, but the equivalent of how far away you would get it on from the end zone, you know, to that, you don't have to score a touchdown. You get the touchdown. That just gives you the ball back. You start the ball at the 25 yard. You start with at the 25 yard line. And this way, if there's a penalty, it's just half the distance to the goal. It's not, uh, you automatically get the conversion. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I feel like that's a more fair solution. Now the, the counter to this solution, of course, is going to be, well, if a team commits a penalty, then it's just going to be, they're going to keep committing penalties until they get a stop. Because that's the easy solution to stop them. But still, if you can bend them past interference in the end zone, they get the ball at the one yard line, and then they get that chance to score and get the ball back at the twenty. I'm for I'm for a solution like that rather than a team getting fifty yards on an onside an onside kick attempt, uh, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I think that those uh, to me uh, what fr- what frustrates me about it is that I hate the onside kick. I I just I don't think it's a good football play. I think that you know even like the most historic onside kicks like the when the Saints did the halftime onside kick against the Colts, that whole play lasted like six minutes before we figured out who had the football. It was a boring play. It yeah. just it happened to be iconic because of you know what happened from it. Uh, I mean, and listen, this isn't getting rid of the surprise onside kicks. You could still surprise onside kick, which I like. Uh, and, and yeah, I think there's ways to nitpick it or to tweak it. I just feel like all of the criticisms are more nitpicks. And I feel like I still think the four from 15 is a much better solution to just the, uh, the non-surprise onside kick where everyone knows it's going to be an onside kick and nobody is going to really ever, uh, be too successful with it. Look, I'm just trying to keep young way Koo in a job here. You know, that's the most <laughs> okay. important thing is uh, keeping, yeah. keeping young way in the league is the most no <laughs> i mean i like i said if they tweak it a little bit so i i just think that a huge momentum swing like that is just going to be huge where a team could get 14 points on essentially two plays not including the extra points uh i do think if you tweak it like we said where if you just get one play from the 15 yard line you have to score if you score you get the ball the 20 yard line if you don't the other you have to the other team gets it at their own 20 like a t- uh a touchback that's essentially how i would treat it yeah, I, th- I think that's. Uh, I think that. Okay, we fixed it. So, all right, NFL, uh, you can have that one. Uh, we'll give Let's it to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, and I do have to. I, I'm glad that you didn't bring up one of the, the arguments that's been driving me crazy is people saying that the Chiefs are going to just 
go for it every single time and be up 57 to zero at the half. That's not going to happen. They don't go for four from 15 every time. It would be if if your offense is so good that it would make sense for you to go for four from go for it on four from 15 at your own 25 every time. You're never losing a football game. So it, to me, it's it's a silly. That's a silly take. But uh, you didn't say that, so I didn't get to use that. But other Honestly, than that, if the team is okay. good enough to do that. I would almost rather just see it happen than at that point. <laughs> yeah, like that sounds like something I would just do in Madden. Like, oh, uh-huh. I got Mahomes and Tyree Kill. I guess mm-hmm. I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine the Madden. Madden was just you know saying, please do not uh, go through with this. It's going to completely break our game, and we'll actually have to ma- do something to our next game. So please, just you know, save us the work and not have it happen. Uh, They'll actually have to improve it for the first time in fifteen years. You <laughs> know? Exactly, not to dust <laughs> dust off the the shells of how to fix it. Uh, and we can transition from here. Uh, let's talk about my worst take of the week from last week. Mike Tomlin being the second be- uh, best head coach, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Kyle, why don't you start and tell me why I am stupid? <laughs> well, so we talked a little bit about this on our failed recording last uh-huh. time. Uh, basically, you know, the way I rank my coaches heading into 2020 and the way I would see it is kind of if I were to, if I were to start a franchise tomorrow – Who would I call first as my head coach? And then I would go down from there, 1 to 32. Um, Bill O'Brien isn't a GM, so he's not 32. Go back and listen to that podcast if you want to see where he ranks. Um, So, uh, yeah, I would go 1 through 32 in which coach I would want to call first in terms of how I hire them. I tweak it a little bit to here and there on certain stipulations. Like I had Andy Reid at second. I'm not sure Andy Reid would be the second guy I call. But he is a generational offensive coach, and he also finally won his Super Bowl, and he's been around since the early 2000s. So I give him credit for that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of what Tomlin did in the late, early 2010s, late 2000s, has kind of I don't think I don't feel the Steelers are the same level of threat that I thought they used to be. And this was me as a Patriots fan, like oh the Steelers are below us kind of thing. And I just I don't know. Like, if I look at the coaches in the AFC, even just looking at the AFC, I feel like Tomlin's sort of fallen behind guys like Harbaugh and Belichick by a significant margin. I did have him sixth, so I still think he's up there in that elite coach level, but I didn't have him at that number two level. I had guys that I would rather have, like a Andy Reid, like a John Harbaugh, like a Sean Payton, that I just think are a lot more progressive and getting better and better throughout the years. Uh, even though they did have some down years compared to what Tomlin did, I I feel like that they are still getting better and better at what they do as a head coach, where I feel like Tomlin sort of stagnated and got a little boring. Yeah. And again, we'll probably not spend as much time on this just because we've, we've had a conversation before already yesterday, but, uh, uh, I, my sort of stance on why I, I, my defense for having him there was just simply the fact that, uh, I, I think that with all of these top coaches except for Belichick they have had a significant downswing you know Sean Payton had the three straight seven and nine seasons Andy Reid got fired from Philadelphia uh you can get John Harbaugh you know a couple years ago there was debate about he might get fired so I think that you know this is uh Tomlin's downswing but I think if you look at his entire coaching career I think he's been incredibly fantastic throughout it and I don't believe that the game has passed him by or he's gotten stale I think it's more so that uh, he's had some 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 problems with personnel, and I think he's still found a way to shift the personnel onto his defense to become one of the best defenses in the NFL. And he's getting his Hall of Fame quarterback back next season, assuming he can still play at a high level. I think Pittsburgh can still be very good, 
And I think that uh, I, I, I do believe that he is, even though he might be at his lowest point currently, I still think that he is over the course of maybe the past seven years, he's been still really good. And he's been the second most consistent coach since entering the league other than number one, which is Belichick. Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with a lot of that kind of stuff. Also, I just feel like at the same, I guess, you know, all the all the coaches that I ranked above him, if they had Duck Codges throwing ducks out there throughout their last season, I don't think are nearly as good either. But I'm also, because one of the things we were doing also is ranking the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. I don't see where this Steelers team gets better. I mean, I think the defense is solid, and obviously Big Ben back com- coming back will help, but I don't see this offense necessarily getting better. They had a lot of injuries, but I still feel like uh, we talked about on one of the previous podcasts too that I'm really high on the Browns this year because I think they figured a lot of things out that they were missing from last year, particularly on that offensive line, guys like Austin Hooper, and I kind of feel like the Steelers team might be third in that division. I'm not sure it gets better from this past season. It might end up 9-7, and seven, and maybe sneak into that second wild card spot, but I don't see them being as that significantly better just because people are healthy this season. Uh, and yeah, and 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 I disagree. Again, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it's it's hard to really speculate too much. I do agree that the division is going to be be loaded. I think that the Bengals will still be bad, but they they should be competitive. They're not they're not going to be an easy win when you play them. Uh, and I think that the Browns should be a lot better. I I think that they definitely could be and i think baltimore i think people are sleeping on baltimore after one bad loss so that's the division is a very fair point but in terms of you know i kind of separated him from from all of that and just talking about the coaching but i do i think the pittsburgh steelers could still be very good next year i'm i'm high on them and listen i i haven't been doubting mike tomlin and i mike tomlin's definitely not the kind of guy you can doubt in the regular season you can make some arguments about the, about the playoffs uh as a Tampa Bay Lightning fan with John Cooper. I've definitely had my frustrations with a good regular season coach who hasn't been able to get it done in the postseason. So I get that. But, you know, the guy still does have a Super Bowl ring. Uh, and uh, that, that's sort of why I'm high on him. But I, I do see a point, And it, it probably is a fair worst take of the week. It's, it's my more controversial take I think I had uh, last podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like to a certain extent that two through six range, once you go below Belichick, it can be sort of interchangeable to – you know, what you want to do. A lot of the reasons why I ranked Reed, Peyton, and Harbaugh ahead of him, and uh, even I think I had Doug Peterson ahead of him too, actually. And the reason why I ranked a lot of those guys ahead of them is because they weren't really afraid to be progressive. Obviously, the Chiefs and the Saints have really stuck out with how they progressed their offenses over the last couple of years. You know, Peyton essentially invented the Taysom Hill position of whatever it is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Kansas City Chiefs offense been running to perfection almost this last two years. And then you look at Harbaugh and how he was willing to, you know, what saved Harbaugh's job is his willingness to change as a coach and accept different things. And that's what brought in, you know, he brought in a rookie quarterback who we he didn't think was ready to throw the ball really. And he brought him in and he changed his entire offense in a week. And all of a sudden they were ready to go running the ball and, you know, he saved his job in that regard. I like that the aggressiveness that Peterson coaches with and that he's not afraid to go for it on fourth down. He's not afraid to be on the front foot no matter what. And that's just kind of why I rank them. I feel like their progressiveness as a head coach is putting him above Tomlin. All right. Well, good stuff there. We'll move on. Now you're on the hot seat a little bit with your defensive Aaron Rodgers. I, I even forget what where you had him, or but it was a terrible pick, even though I'm pretty sure I had him in like the same spot. Uh, so defend yourself about Aaron Rodgers. 
So I had him five, and I believe if I remember correctly, I said I was four. Okay. And I had Breeze five, where you had Breeze three. Yeah, something like that. So I, I had Rodgers. I, I think I think it was. Oh, I think you had him. Four, I had Breeze four and Rogers five. You had Rogers four, and then maybe Breeze five. But yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, he got picked fifth, but you had him fourth on your list. Yeah, and then I saw a lot of people in the comments kind of ripping on him, and I didn't really understand like where all of a sudden it turned into you know Aaron Rodgers is kind of an asshole. Yeah, and we've all kind of accepted that. But where it all of a sudden turned into Aaron Rodgers is no longer a top five quarterback in football. This guy's still incredibly accurate when he wants to be. He throws a lot of footballs away. That's why his completion percentage is a little bit lower than should be. But the guy's still incredibly clutch. He's still amongst the best in terms of clutch quarterbacks at the end of games. He still is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in football as far as throwing down the field. And I just think overall, like I saw a lot of people ripping Aaron Rodgers for his lack of uh, lack of Super Bowl reigns and his inability to get Super Bowls. When the guy picked right before him was Drew Brees, who hasn't won a Super Bowl even before Rodgers. So I feel mm -hmm. like this team, you know, were they a 13-3 and team? Probably not last year. I don't think they were actually that good. But they were still one game away from making a Super Bowl. And I feel like ripping on Rodgers for making it that far is a little harsh in my regard. I still think he's a top-five quarterback in the league and is probably going to be for the next couple seasons. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I'm again. I'm with you. We we have him at about the the same spot. I'm not with you on. I th I think Rogers is cool. I've always liked him in interviews. I don't understand why where the Rogers take comes from. He's really hated. I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe I just I, I don't whatever. I don't know Aaron Rodgers. He might be a good guy. He might be terrible. But uh, but yeah. In terms of what we only you know we can only judge what we see uh, on the football field. And uh, yeah. I mean, I do think that just the being in a system that's kind of run first. It's not this. We're just going to have guys run deep and, you know, Rogers, you know, it's not the Andy Reid system. So his numbers aren't going to be as good as Mahomes. And I think you look at the the bulk stats going down a little bit. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think watching the tape, he's still just as good as he ever has been. He's not turning the ball over. He's changed his game to some degree, but he's also never turned the ball over, really. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not going to count uh, Rogers out anytime soon. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Rogers last two years. His touchdown to interception ratio is 51 to six. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And then, I mean, one of the reasons why I kind of knocked on Matt LaFleur and had him a little lower, besides only having one year and I want to see it a little more before I ranked him a little higher, is mm -hmm. I didn't like a lot of the things he did on offense in terms of utilizing the talent around Rodgers. Obviously, Devontae Adams was double teamed a lot, but I feel like he had a, a top five running back talent in Aaron Jones that. He didn't really utilize as much as I would have personally. Like a guy, I felt like there was a lot of Jamal Williams last year when Jamal Williams, I feel like, is not at the same level as Jones or even close. And I just feel like overall, like Rodgers, if Rodgers is in a system like Kansas City, he's going to win MVP. That's just what he is. That's how good he is. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I was looking up, but now Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones, 15th in uh, watching attempts. So that definitely does kind of go to your point of, you know, he could have, they could have definitely used, He's arguably, you know, uh, definitely better than a top fifteen running back in the in the league. So probably should have been used a little bit more there. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, and we can move on to one more defense from these past couple podcasts. We wanted to talk a little bit about him because you know we made a made a lot of predictions and talks about the last couple podcasts. So I figured we'll go in depth a little bit more and a couple more of our uh, controversial ones. Matt Ryan at number six for me. Uh, I I still stand by this. I think that Matt Ryan is. Uh, there's really not much. I think the only real argument you can have against Matt Ryan, in my opinion, is that he hasn't won much. 
Uh, I mean, but I, I think that, you know, you can only really use team stats because his individual stats are fantastic. And I think his tape is fantastic. And I think that uh, what he's been able to do in Atlanta, even last season, I mean, last season wasn't his best season, but again, I try not to be a prisoner of the moment. And, you know, two years ago, he had a season that was almost as good as his MVP level season. I think he's been consistently just fantastic. And he's one of the better uh, quarterbacks in the league. I do think that he loses something just because he's not maybe as exciting. He's just kind of the the traditional, you know, good arm talent, smart white guy quarterback. We're just kind of like what, you know, he's not, he's not like super slow. So you can make fun of him, but he's not like someone that runs around a lot. He's just kind of like a, your traditional quarterback, but he's very good and very effective at it. Yeah, I mean, so if if our argument is is Matt Ryan a talented quarterback, I have him in the top ten or top eight in that regard. But mm-hmm. I guess for my question is, if we're looking at best quarterbacks of 2020, do you think last year was a step back for Matt Ryan in terms of his overall standards and his ability and his numbers, all that regard? I mean, the, the total production wasn't as good, but he, you know, he got hurt. Uh, for a little bit, which is probably factored in. And I think the offensive line was a huge reason why his numbers went down so much. Uh, I mean, the numbers weren't as good, but I think that uh, the tape, I, I totally expect him to bounce back 100%. I would be shocked if uh, 2018 was the, you know, we never see him return to the 2016 or 2018 form. I'd be very surprised. Yeah. My, my one question for Matt Ryan is how does this get better? I guess is my question because over the last two years, He's he's had 42 sacks in 2018 and 48 sacks in 20 or 2019. Yeah, 42 in mm-hmm. 2018, 48 2019. So 45 sacks over the last two years. So it's not like you know even as much as hype is like guys like Alex Mack get. I feel like this offensive line isn't as good as what a lot of people have talked about, and that's been a real problem. And you know I didn't think Devontae Freeman was very good last year, but they're mm-hmm. also bringing a guy in Todd Gurley where. They're kind of just hoping that he's healthy all of a sudden, which, of course, with Todd Gurley, I'm not convinced he's ever going to be healthy again. And then he loses his number two option in Austin Hooper, where I'm not really sure where this gets better for Matt Ryan. And that's kind of why, you know, in that term, in that rankings where I had my top six, where I had Brady in the top six, that's my elite tier quarterback from that seven to 12 ranking. If you have, you know, we had Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford. Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, and you can even throw Tannehill over his second half of the year last year in that regard. I had him towards the back half of that top five, that next six, because if we're looking at best quarterback for 2020, I think Dak Prescott's going to put up a better year in 2020. I think Deshaun Watson's going to have a better year in 2020, even though he lost a lot of his talent, um, except for David Johnson, elite running back. Right. course uh mm-hmm. you know i think carson if he can actually yeah you know fingers crossed he ever actually stays healthy if carson stays healthy then i think he's also at the top half of that tier in terms of quarterbacks for 2020 and that's kind of where i'm at for matt ryan i just think that you know in terms of going forward i'm not sure if he's ever going to be ahead of those guys ever again for me well i'll stand by the first thing i said uh the only thing you can say negative about him is about his team and uh, you didn't say anything negative about him. You just said negative things about his team. So I think I, I win. Point Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I still think he's a talented quarterback, and don't get me wrong about that, but I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, 
he, I, I wouldn't put him in that top six anymore. I wouldn't put him in that top seven anymore. I have him closer to 10 or 11 in that regard, just because I think the guys that are coming up now, the younger quarterbacks in Wentz, in Dak, in Deshaun, are now getting better and then surpassing him, especially when he's falling behind. And a lot of it is because of his team. And I'm going to knock him because his team isn't very good. And, you know, it's is it unfair? Yeah, probably. But I just think that if you're going to look at it going forward, these guys are going to be better than Evan. That's just how it is now. Uh, again, totally disagree. I don't think uh, they're just going to be better than him, and that's just how it is. I think that uh, there is a a chance that their numbers will be better, and I might have to next year also put him very highly and defend myself again. But I think that when he has, uh, you know, had things working out in his favor, he's still shown that he can very much be a a very uh, talented player. He still is clearly a you know a high level player, and I also think that. Uh, like I said earlier, it's it's next year. I you know Dan Quinn is still there. They haven't added much on the, uh, their offense, so you can definitely. I was looking up the, the some of the numbers. I mean, he still has a, a good amount of plus a hundred passer rating uh, games last year. I know that's not the best statistic, but just on the fly, I'm going with it. I mean, against Arizona, he still had a four touchdown, uh, zero interception, three hundred and fifty six yard performance. Like when when he's going up against bad defenses where the talent level evens out, he's dominating them. Uh, he just he, he hasn't been on a great team, and maybe the team won't get better, and so I'll have to sit here next year and defend him again. But uh, I, I still think he's very talented. And uh, if you ask any Falcons fan, there is no Falcons fan who says they need to move on from him. Uh, and which you know, there's plenty of uh, there's most guys in the top ten. Their fans would say they're great. But I think he's very talented, and I'm going to continue defending him probably unless I see something different. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to agree to this, disagree on this one. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes going forward with Matt Ryan, but I feel like the best years of him are behind him. Yes, and from that we will transition. Kyle, how does it feel that the best quarterback in football has now joined your division, Joe Flacco, now with the New York Jets? Oh, man. You know, they were they were saying that there is no elite quarterback in the mm-hmm. AFC East this next year. Yeah. And too soon. Now mm-hmm. now it's over. Now it's over. You know, Joe Flacco, fun fact, Joe Flacco had a higher QB rating and completion percentage than Sam Darnold last season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there there was a couple of moments with Denver that he actually looked decent. I mean, he then I mean, I think that uh Clearly, Drew Locke is the better option. He's younger, and he's probably better right now anyways. But Joe Flacco isn't just this ridiculously terrible. For a backup quarterback, it's great. And also, you know, uh, obviously, I love Joe Flacco. He was my favorite quarterback growing up because the Bucs could never make the playoffs. And so I would just root for the Ravens. That was just – they happened to be the team I gravitated towards. So uh, my heart is close to Joe Flacco, and for a good reason, because of how amazing he is uh, just in general. Um, but yeah, we don't have to spend too much, too much time on that, but I just, uh, I, I, I wanted to t- touch on it for a bit because just, just, just to see the fear in your face. Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, it does make sense for both parties. You know, mm-hmm. Darnold gets that veteran voice in the locker room. He gets to learn from, a uh, a guy who has all sorts of experience of playing in the NFC, AFC, sorry. And, you know, not only playing in the AFC, but also winning in the AFC. He did win a Super Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. sadly enough, uh, you know, he, Flacco was never going to get a starting job in the NFL this year, and that's just what it was. Uh, he gets a chance to groom a younger player who hasn't fully proven himself and hasn't exactly stayed on the field uh, this past season, so he's going to get a chance to potentially play too. 
And, uh, you know, Darnold gets to learn how to throw a pass and get uh, draw defensive pass interference calls mm-hmm. from the best in the business. So yeah. he's got mm-hmm. that going for a moment. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, the Jets are still going to be five and 11. So, <laughs> wow. Five and two games worse than last year. Hot take here from Kyle. Uh, no, I mean, and, and I also think it's worth mentioning just how, uh, how bad that they they got um, when Darnold went down. Their offense was already terrible, but they needed a backup quarterback. So uh, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, who really cares? It's 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 more of just a meme of it all of Flacco back in the NFL. But I, I do love back Flacco. And uh, from there, we will talk about let's we're, let's get into questions here, and then we will talk about. We still have a couple of really one t- uh, take from the other four major American sports, uh, and so. Um, but yeah, let's get we'll get in some questions because they're all football. Because people, you know, we ninety nine point nine percent of the content on here is football, so I understand that. Um, and we talked about this a little bit. Racer Berkeley says, "Do you think the Browns will make make it to the playoffs?" So yes, this was one of my choices. Yeah, we talked about mm-hmm. this a little last week. I see this Browns team as a 10-11 win team this year. I think Stefanski and his offense perfectly fits what the Browns should run, not what. Uh, the homeless guy impersonating head coach Freddie Kitchens was running last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they should run is basically run that same scheme that they ran with Dalvin cook, but give the ball to Nick Chubb a whole bunch. And then Baker's going to kill him on the play action, which he actually does really well anyways. And then you got, you know, in terms of uh, options to go from that, Baker's got some of the best in the league. He's got Odell. He's got Jarvis Landry, which I thought I heard Landry might not be ready week one, but he's still probably going to be good to go for most of the season. Um, you know, he's going to have Landry, he's going to have Odell, and he's going to have Austin Hooper. And I just think that's that's going to be a fantastic team on offense. And, you know, they still have some pretty good de- uh, pieces on defense, led by, uh, obviously, Miles Garrett coming back. I think that's going to be a solid team. I really like a lot of the pieces they put together. I, I feel like, so if you look at an NFL team as a three-course meal, I feel like a lot of what the Browns had last year were dessert. You know, everything that looks nice, tastes sweet, all that kind of stuff with the pieces on the outside, those skill position players. And they missed a lot of the a lot of the entree, a lot of what really makes a football team really good. And that's the offensive and defensive line outside of Garrett, obviously. Um, And I feel like their offensive line was obviously the piece that was really lacking. Uh, Baker Mayfield had no time to do anything. And, you know, Baker does have to get better. So I can't say that, oh, it's all the offensive line's fault while he stepped back. He stepped back because, you know, a lot of. Baker Mayfield stepped back because of Baker Mayfield. He has to get better at throwing the ball. He can't drop back 12 yards and then throw a 20-yard pass as he tried to do a whole bunch last year. He has to learn to play within his size limitations. But I do think that this team could take a step forward and be a 10-win team. I'm so conflicted on the Browns. I, I like the Browns. I like the roster. I'm a bit worried they're a year away. I think that, for one thing, they're going to have to learn a new system, and they're going to have to just get the losing culture out of their brains. I think that's something that a lot of people underrate, is that once guys accept that losing is okay, it's very hard to, to shift that, and that's one of the reasons we see these bad teams stay bad for so long. Um, I'm, I got up the standings right here. Uh, you know, So here's here's the thing. So we're going to have three wildcard teams, which is you know, that gives them an extra slot to try to get it. But you have the Patriots and Bills. I feel like both those teams are going to make the playoffs, so that's one of the wildcard teams. Uh, in the AFC South, you have the Texans and Titans. I could see easily see both of them also making the playoffs, which only leaves one remaining. And then you also have uh, maybe not, but you know we'll we'll throw the throw both of those in as one potential spot. 
Um, you also have to beat out the Broncos, who I think will be a lot better. The Ravens, who I think will be a lot better. The Chargers could be spooky, although I, I don't think that they will make the playoffs. And you also are going to, you know, the, there's the Ravens and Steelers ahead of you. There's just a lot of, like, fringe playoff teams in that AFC. And I just don't know if they're going to get there yet. I think they might end up going, like, this could be a year that they go 10-6 and six and miss the playoffs, even with that extra wild card team. I could very easily see them being like a nine and seven, just miss the playoff type thing, or maybe like an eight and eight, but then be ready for the future, which I think that, you know, I, I do think the offensive line still needs to be patched up a little bit more, although I do like the direction they're headed. And their defense is still very good, although not as good once uh, once Greg Williams, universally loved defensive coach, left for that, left them. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that they could, but I'm not going to sit here and say, that they definitely will. I think that we still have we still have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're going to be in the conversation. And uh, so, correct me on this. This is the year they're doing the extra playoff team, right? Correct. They won't be doing the extra week, but they are doing the extra playoff team. Yeah. So, I mean, so if you, I, I personally think Tennessee might take a step back this next year. Uh, we can get onto that on another point. And. I'm not exactly sure I'm ready to pen in the New England Patriots this next season. That's another point altogether. But in the end, the Browns are going to be in the conversation. I do think the Broncos are going to take a step forward as well. But, I mean, you know, being in the conversation is better better than anything the Browns have been for five, six years. Um, so, I mean, I do mm -hmm. think that step forward. I do think they're going to be really close. And if you look at a lot of these rosters, especially – if you look at a lot of these rosters, they match up pretty well with a lot of these teams and even have better players across positions than a lot of these teams that are in those playoff spots that we're talking about. I mean, yeah, I, I would say that Baker's probably, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Well, I mean, I guess like Josh, I bet you could say Baker's better than Josh Allen. But uh, other than that, he's probably seen the, the worst quarterback in that group and quarterback matters a lot. Um, I well, and, and I mean, let's not crown Kevin Stefanski just yet. While he, we, I think we all, we both are big fans of him. We'll have to wait. We do have to wait and see and see what he's actually able to, to accomplish. Because I mean, uh, he, we haven't seen him be the head coach of, uh, of an NFL game. And what if when he comes back, when he is, he still does those, uh, you know, pitches at the, the goal line. We'll just have to sort of, uh, sort of wait and see. And we can move on now. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg says, how will Tom Brady work in the Bruce Arians offense with historically QB's first years under him are atrocious? I, I when historically, sorry, I'm not the best at reading out loud. Cut me some slack. Uh, he had quotes, famous Jameis, also least likable guy in the NFL. I thought that would be an interesting question too. I don't know who he's referring to as the least likable guy in the NFL, if that's Brady or Arians. Uh, but regardless, how do you think uh, Brady will work in this Bruce Arians offense? Was he asking us to pick a least likable guy in the NFL, or is he asking us? I don't know. Oh, anyway. maybe that's it. Yeah, that's it. He's asking. I thought he was saying one of them is the least. Okay. Well, we, we won't do the second part, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. But uh, for the for the first part, um, how do you think Brady will do in the Bruce Arians offense? Um, you know, I I think there are going to be some changes. I think a lot of what I. I mentioned it before. A lot of what the Patriots did was kind of use play action and their short-term routes, especially to guys like James White and their running backs. They used a lot of those short option routes to open up a lot of mid, uh, mid-tier routes and all that kind of stuff, where the Cardinals and historically Bruce Arians teams ran a lot of vertical routes to open up the middle of the field. 
And I think a lot, they're going to have to change a little bit in their offense or Brady's going to have to just, you know, unleash the deep ball. Unlike anything he's ever done before besides 2007, because he doesn't throw the ball that deep very much because it's a high risk throw a lot of times, but he, he, I just think in terms of he's going to have some of the best weapons in the league because he's got two top 10 receivers that I think he's going to be really successful. I don't know exactly the numbers on Bruce Arian first-year quarterbacks, but I think he's going to be just fine, and this team's going to win. You know, they're going to make the playoffs, I think. Uh, I, I I hope so. I mean, it's it's been a while, so that would be nice. Uh, you know, our last uh, last playoff win was the Super Bowl in two thousand two. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, it's probably my biggest fear is that uh, you know, he is going to throw a lot of interceptions and things might not work out as well as we'd hope, just because historically players do have bad first years with Arians. Um, but I mean, we have him for a two year deal, so maybe when he's you know, I know he's getting up there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, my biggest fear about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the fact that we're putting all of our faith in a 43-year-old quarterback in general. Uh, and it probably won't be perfect, but I think the idea is that they make the playoffs, and then by that point, he will, you know, fully have the offense down and be good then. I think that's that's probably what they would say. Oh, we can see. Um, we have also a cu- couple more. We'll do a couple more questions. Um, aside from quarterback, what is the most valuable position on a team? This is kind of fun. This is not a not not really a, a take but sort of just more of a fun thought experiment. What do you think? Clearly the running back position, you can't like, if you're not picking one in the top five, you're not getting one at all. Mm -hmm. Right. No, Uh (laughs) I mean, uh, (laughs) I I would, I guess, you know, what's, what's the long going thing about the offensive tackle. It's the, it's the number one guy to protect the quarterback. I would say Mm -hmm. that's really important as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the offensive tackle and what they do in terms of, you know, the blindside protection is very important for, you know, keeping that franchise guy healthy is probably the next import, most important thing than having that franchise guy. Um, and then in terms of that, I do think that, you know, there's a reason that a bunch of pass rushers win defensive player of the year, because I just think if you had that game changing pass rusher, whether it's the edge or the defensive end, where wherever he plays, I just think that kind of guy can just devastate any good offense especially if he's on his game. You know, a guy like Khalil Mack can completely change a game in five plays by just making five big-time plays. So, I mean, I, I would say offensive tackle, then that edge rusher defensive end position. Yeah, I mean, uh, tackle is a good one. I think that you could argue – I think I would probably lean towards edge rusher um, just because I would say that, you know, I mean, what the, pro- the problem with an edge rusher is that, you know, especially someone you bring up Khalil Mack – you know, Cleo Mack doesn't play every snap. Uh, you have to take him out. He can't uh, be out there, whereas a tackle can. Um, but I also think that really edge rusher is the only p- player who can have a play that has as big of an impact as a quarterback can. Where, you know, if they get a strip sack, that's just, that's, you know, more valuable than any other play that a tackle can have or really anybody can have, unless you want to talk about like a wide receiver taking a screen pass all the way to the house. But that's very rare in terms of that. I also think a sack completely could stall as a drive. I actually don't if we're, if we're talking for you know like a full a career then I, I think that that's what I would say. Although for one game I wouldn't totally discount a running back. I mean a great running yeah. back for one game. I, I think that it then it depends on what we're you know you obviously took that as like like you know if yeah, you were drafting cool. someone. But yeah. yeah for one for one game I mean I think you know we saw Todd Gurley and how dominant he how much he helped the Rams for a short it was it was just for a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, if you look at career-wise or like like we, I was saying, even draft-wise, clearly the mm-hmm. running back then moves a lot down because there are, you know, you can – that's the 49ers proved you can man- manufacture a pretty good running game 
uh, no matter who it is. But running the football is hugely important. So having solid running backs that can run your scheme really well are important, whether they're superstar players or not. I think in terms of if I were to bring, you know, what's what's the most important for having a superstar level player? I would still go quarterback, obviously one, then offensive tackle, then defensive end, edge rusher position. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, we'll do one or two more questions. We got a lot of good questions, but we just don't have, we're not going to have time to do all of them. I want to get onto this other stuff in a second. Um, so we'll go with. Uh, do you think Kyler Murray is a franchise quarterback? I'll start off this one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yes. Yeah, as confident as confidently as I can say, and before he even plays year two, mm-hmm. I would say yes. There was a lot of things I really liked about his game. Obviously, you know, there are things that he can prove about his game, but he did look good. He's accurate. You know that he the running game he has is just so dynamic. Like we were all talking about mm-hmm. Lamar this year. The guy is probably faster than Lamar, mm-hmm. and. I just think that he can be such a game changer. Um, obviously, the biggest thing with him is going to be, you know, for a smaller guy, everyone's going to be concerned about his health anytime he gets hit running. But he also has a cannon for an arm and seems pr- fairly accurate with the ball as well. I like Kyler Murray. We'll see how it develops going forward. Yeah, I mean, there's been better rookie seasons that ended up not being a franchise quarterback, so it's not a guarantee. But uh, but yeah, seems pretty good. Uh, just one more question. Uh, this is one clearly directed at me. It says, I, I know it's not a sports comment, but do you have any tips for starting a podcast or breakdown type channel like your own? Uh, uh, I mean, my advice for, for everybody is, is simply that, you know, try a bunch of things. Don't be afraid to try new things. Uh, you have to have some sort of a business strategy heading in. You know, I, I said, listen, there's not a lot of people making breakdowns. A lot of people like these breakdown type things. And I can also, you know, I know if I share them on Reddit, people like them as opposed to downvoting them. So I can, you know, share them on smaller subreddits, not spamming because I only do like, uh, you know, individual team reddits. So you're only getting my videos once every like couple of months. So you're not really annoyed by it. That was my business strategy. And also you have to treat it like a real job. You have to uh, post a bunch. You, you have to be working a lot. Uh, I was easily, you know. Uh, an 80 hour work week felt like a light week for me. I was working all day. I mean, you could ask people, I was not have, I had no social life at when I was first starting this channel, things have, I've been able to have one now that I've gotten bigger, but when you're starting, you do, you really have to treat it like a real job and then some, uh, and from that, uh, that should end the football talk. Uh, and I'm not sure if Kyle, you had anything to add, uh, but, uh, that should, that'll end the, the football talk. So if you're here for football, Feel free to dip out now, uh, and we will move on. We have a, f- a few more fun topics. Um, let's start with hockey. Kyle, you are a big Bruins fan. I'm a big Lightning fan, and yet we're still friends somehow. Uh, what is your thoughts on hockey probably coming back with this new new potential uh, system? Yeah, um, so, I mean, I'm okay with the system in the 2014 bracket. Um, I just think the setup is sort of outrageous. Like, first of all, they have the audacity to award the Bruins the President's Trophy and then make us play for the one seed. Uh-huh. Like, what does that even mean? Like, mm-hmm. so what is the point of winning the President's Trophy then at that point? Don't mm-hmm. give it to us. Give us to the one seed at the end of this seeding thing or whatever the heck it is. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the point of that. Why, you know, if you want to say, oh, well, they need games and reps in order to like stay in shape while these other teams are playing these playing uh, brackets, then mm-hmm. let us play games, but don't count it towards our seeding, you know? One of the things that I think would be interesting is like you could say, you know, you do the play in bracket and then say, 
oh, well, the one seeds get to draft their play, their team they play, you know? So the Bruins uh-huh. then hmm. actually get to pick whatever team they want to play in the first round and then go from there or something like that. I think that'd be a fun way to reward the top team, not make them earn the one seed after being the one seed for the entire season as the Bruins were for the majority of the year and win the president's trophy. And then this is all, you know, this is all set up for Kerry freaking price to go nuts and the mm-hmm. Canadian win the cup. And I'm just going to lose my mind and uh-huh. drink. So, I mean, I'm okay with a lot of it. I'm happy to see hockey back and that's what everybody's kind of feeling. You know, we mm-hmm. just want hockey back, but the, the fact that we have to play for the one seed after winning a president's trophy makes no sense to me. Well, yeah, and especially, I mean, like, listen, uh, I'm a Lightning fan. This helps me. But, you know, the Bruins had a, a an eight-point lead with 12 games left to go. There was 12 games left. It's not like this is the middle of the season. If it was, you know, 40 games in, then I would say, okay, I get it. But, we're, I mean, the season was practically over. Uh, so, to to now, it's not like we we're going to – like, the chances of us making up four games in uh, a 12-game stretch, it would have taken a lot, and it would have really uh, – it seems unlikely it would have happened, especially since Boston was 7-3. and three. Uh, in their last 10, Lightning were uh, three, six, and one in their last 10. So, without a doubt, uh, it, it, things were going, it's it, definitely a break for Tampa Bay. For other teams, though, I do kind of get it. Like, you know, you have the, uh, let's see if there's, um, like, for example, like the, the Knights and the Oilers, they had played the same amount of games. Knights were three points up. So, for the Oilers, would probably complain about, like, well, hey, we had a great opportunity to catch them. Now we're losing that opportunity. You know, Capitals and Flyers were just one point apart, and the Flyers were playing really good hockey down the stretch. So I think that, you know, they were 9-1 and one in their last 10. So I think they would say we were going to catch them. Uh, but, and you could also just do, it's just like you get an extra three games at a season, and then you play that out or something like that. There's ways it could be done. But, I mean, as a whole, a, a, a bit annoying. I, I get it from your perspective. But also, uh, as we've learned from last season, Seeding doesn't necessarily matter so much. Yeah, it doesn't. And the the NFL or the sorry, no, we're not talking football anymore. The mm-hmm. NHL playoff bracket anyway is really dumb, and mm-hmm. the way they set it up is really dumb. Anyways, the fact that the Bruins and the uh, Lightning have to play in round two every year because of the mm-hmm. way they do the seeding and the way they do that the divisions play each other first before the conference finals is was is horrible. Anyways, but this just like magnifies how like asinine a lot of this is to me and i don't know like i i just think that the nhl needs to i i think if i were like a sports if i ran sports for a day all sports Mm -hmm. if i ran all sports for one day the first thing i would do is get rid of uh conferences i would just say you you rank the best six you rank the best 16 teams as it is in the nba and the nhl and say rank them one through 16 and go at it you know, if it's the NFL, you rank them all and go at it. You can have conferences in terms of scheduling and then, of course, deciding the playoff teams. But I just or yeah, just in terms of scheduling, have the conferences and the divisions to keep the rivalries. But then I just say, you know, 16 teams, here you go. Here's the rankings. Go at it. One through 16 play. I totally disagree. Uh, here's my hot take. I actually like the current NHL playoff uh, format. I don't mind the the, the Lightning and Bruins at, never going to be able to face each other in the Eastern Conference unless it, one of them isn't very good and they get a wild card spot. Uh, I think it's fun that you you. I think it's fun that the Yankees and Red Sox were playing each other year after year in the ALCS to go to the World Series. I think some of these things are fun, and I, I sort of like the. It kind of creates more of a legacy aspect, I think, in a, in a sort of way. It does create these rivalries. I don't care what people say. I. The Penguins and Capitals absolutely hate each other now, where they wouldn't have if they were, you know, 
not playing each other as much. The Bruins and the Leafs now have a very one-sided rivalry. Uh, I must, but that wouldn't have happened without this playoff format. I, I think it's interesting. And I think that what people don't talk about enough in sports is sometimes let's just do what's fun. And I think this is, this is more fun. And the conference finals are always still really good for the most part, even with this format. Yeah, I, I think the one argument you can make, because obviously the flip side of this is, you know, earlier in the decade when the Penguins and the Capitals were the two best teams in the East year after year, mm -hmm. you know, it was a disadvantage to them to play themselves in the conference semifinals and then have to go play the team in the lower division in the conference finals. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the one argument for that, for uh, against it is, of course, you know, you spend so much time. So, like, for this instance, the, Pe the Penguins or the Bruins and the Lightning – are going to spend so much time beating each other up in the conference semifinals that potentially in the conference finals, they're exhausted by the time they play each other and play probably a lesser team, you know, standings wise, the lightning kind of are on par with the three points, but I do feel like roster wise, the lightning are a better team. Um, I just feel like, you know, they're going to spend so much time beating up on each other. And this is the same argument with the NBA, you know, they're going to spend so much time beating up on each other that potentially the conference finals, then they're exhausted. I, I just think that's it's a tough break for either one of those teams. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely is like you know, it, it, it kind of sucks that you know, it, it, there's sort of an unfairness to it. I, I don't disagree, but I just I think it's kind of it's still fun, and and I think for the for the NBA, like you know, we can even I'll take a step back and we'll talk about you know uh, conferences in general. I think that they it does make sense to have conferences just because. You know, like for the NBA, you have to have the traveling thing. So you have to have these guys play within a certain, you know, you have to have the conferences during the regular season. But now it's kind of unfair in the sense that now the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be the number one seed when they were beating up on, uh, you know, on on worser teams the whole year. And, you know, now the, the Lakers get the number uh, two seed and, you know, the, the, the Clippers, are, you know, if you're a middling uh like a, a top three West team, now you're going to be a lot further down, even though you probably should be higher. I, I, I just think that I think conferences are fine. I think it's not a big deal. And as long as the sports are still entertaining, it's not it's not something I'm going to really I, I wouldn't hate it if they did it, but it's not a big deal for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it all just depends. Like, so, for example, if the NBA did this uh, no conference bracket right now, mm -hmm. it would be uh, Milwaukee one. Then it would be L the Lakers two, the Raptors three, the Clippers four. So potentially you would essentially have the the Bucks would then have to play potentially if it all worked out the way it did the Clippers in their conference finals or their final or semifinals uh, series, which I guess then of course balances the power where you say well the Western Conference was tougher that's why the Clippers had a worse schedule well then the Bucks have to prove it by beating them or the other way around so then you know if the if you believe the best two teams are the Clippers and the Lakers then they would play in the finals rather than the conference finals. Well, well, my my sort of point is that uh, I think that either way, uh, it's going to be unfair. I mean, uh, who did you say was number three seed? The Raptors. The Raptors yeah. aren't the third their best team in basketball. The Raptors are good, but I mean, Raptors or Clippers. Like, there's no question. It's the Clippers. Uh, and, and so I think that you know that just kind of luckily breaks out that way. That but really, what it it probably. Uh, I mean, I, I just think that th there's going to be some problems either way. Uh, so I think that let's just again. 
I'm kind of going against what I typically do because usually I'm like, let's change things up. Let's see how things work. But I actually do kind of like the idea that there's like these two separate leagues kind of that then come together for one championship. I kind of I kind of just like that idea. And I think it, it also means something then when you go to the championship, like, you know, to bring up full circle from what we talked about at the beginning of this this show, the Rays winning a, an American League championship still like holds something for especially a, a sports team that hasn't won a lot. Uh, whereas I'm not sure if it would have the same weight if it was just we went to a Super Bowl once. I think there's there's an extra kind of cool aspect to it, I think. But maybe that's just me. Did you um did you see the Ringers proposal for the World Cup style NBA tournament? No, I Did didn't. You see this idea. This was mm. brilliant. I actually love this. Okay. Idea. So it was Kevin O'Connor. Shout out to KOC. Um, he came up with the idea of the 20 team World Cup bracket tournament for the NBA turn uh, NBA's end of season tournament that they're trying to figure out right now. And essentially, what they would do is break it into five. It was uh, five tiers, or sorry, four tiers, and five teams in each tier. So the top tier teams are, you know, for example, the top tier teams would be the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Raptors, and it looks like the Celtics would be the 15 in that tier. And then you go through and do all the standings for the top 20 teams. Then, of course, you do a random drawing of each of each tier. So you draw one team from tier one, one team from tier two, one from tier three, one from tier four. And then from there, you form your four, your five groups of four, which are, mm. you know, and then from there, they play each other twice in a round-robin-style tournament. And then from there, they go into the top two seeds, play, move on, and uh, play in the bracket-style tournament, which would be a best-of-seven series for the final eight teams. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I don't hate that idea at all. Um, it, it is involving soccer, so naturally, I think my first instinct was to, to try and hate it. But I actually uh, – I think that's that, that's pretty good. Uh, and we're already on here, so we'll just continue with it. Um, here's what I think – here's what I kind of like. I think that, like – I thought with this unique situation, it gives us an opportunity to just try something weird. And I kind of would be almost bummed out if they just did the regular. Like, it was almost like a little bit disappointing when the NHL had their playoff format almost, you know, very similar to what it just is in general. Because it's, it's just like we could have had something uh, exciting, you know, more just weird about it. Because I kind of like when sports get weird like that. What if we just had a full on March Madness top two seeds get a bye? Everyone's in the playoffs and we can do like the finals are uh, are still best of seven, but every other game is just, you know, win or go home. Uh, it would be weird, but it would also be very, uh, be very fun. It would be fun. And, you know, everybody mm -hmm. would watch it. I think the big thing, you know, what I really like about Adam Silver is he's not afraid to pitch new ideas. He's not afraid to try new things. You know, mm -hmm. the NBA has definitely been the most progressive league of, I would say of all the leagues over the last couple seasons. And mm -hmm. I kind of like it, that idea. Uh, I've liked the idea of the, the kind of March madness style tournament that uh, has kind of been floated as like a mid season tournament. And the incentive mm -hmm. would be like a salary cap thing or an extra draft pick, something like that to incentivize mm -hmm. these teams in turn, instead of like an all-star weekend, I wouldn't do mm -hmm. it for the playoffs. I would do it instead of an all-star weekend basically as like the mid season tournament, just mm -hmm. because like, you know, People already treat the Spurs 1999 title as an asterisk because it was during a lockout season. And the last thing we need is like, not that it would ever happen because nothing ever good happens to the Knicks, but like the Knicks winning the title after winning 12 games in a season. And, you know, that would, that would be amazing. How, how great would that be if they did that? I mean, we would love it, but then people would be like, oh, it wasn't a real championship. 
Well, I mean, but but then you could just say, well, they won all those games. What happened there? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, it. Uh, I get your point. I don't think that would ever happen, so I'm not really too too worried about uh, right. you know, that. Um, you know, but but I just think it would be fun. And uh, for for the, you know, again, I think also one more thing I, I thought of as well is what about this? What if it turns out that they say, you know what, we can't have really, we don't have much time for this at all. But what if they did, okay, they, this season is totally canceled. I would still like to see them just say like, we'll just have the NBA finals, Bucks versus Lakers. And then, uh, you know, and then next and then immediately after the regular season starts for next year, if they have to cancel this year. Yeah, I mean, I would I would be completely okay with that, too. If they mm-hmm. run out of ideas, I was beginning to think that we were going to see some sort of Drew League scenario where these teams are just lining up against each other in an unofficial format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay yeah. With, I mean, I just want yeah. at this point. So let's right. just, you know, everybody meet up at some random basketball court. Let's get the games going, you know. I'll ref. <laughs> yeah, the, the quarantine is gone. I've been watching true t- true crime documentaries to get through it. It's it, it which are which are terrible. I don't know why I do it because I hate them. I always leave depressed after I watch a true crime documentary. But that's what I've been doing for quarantine. It's a terrible idea, Kyle. I I watched I watched seven holes of the match okay. two, which featured <laughs> two really bad golfers that aren't golfers. <laughs> And then two pro golfers taking it like half ass. You know, uh-huh. Tiger was at a course that he's played at five, like a billion different times. It's his home uh-huh. course. And mm-hmm. he hit 18 fairways in 18 holes. Yeah. And, you know, you saw that. And then you saw Brady hitting like five balls into the woods. And, you know, you know, everyone was talking about that big shot he hit that he split his pants on. He hit that shot for birdie because he hit so many in the woods leading up to it <laughs> that he hit that shot for birdie from <laughs> way out there. And, you uh-huh. know. I actually was like enjoying this, even though that two of the golfers sucked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, I think this is actually, uh, it's unintentional, but this is kind of a perfect transition to our last topic of the day. Uh, baseball is just full of, is ran by idiots, uh, in my opinion. Uh, th- the fact that they are not desperately trying to get baseball started as soon as possible, their sport has been on its way out. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity. I felt like this was actually one of the rare times that baseball might have a good thing because of the whole Astros cheating scandal, which is now no one remembers that. But at the time, they had this great opportunity. Uh, and it's the one sport that could actually do social distancing for the most part. I mean, there are a couple of instances, you know, like when you're, you're sliding into second or whatever. But for the most part, it's a game played with people already far far away from each other. This is a very easy transition. Uh, I say in business sometimes you have to lose money to make money this is the prime opportunity to grow the sport a lot better and be the one sport on tv right now and i think they're just kind of blowing it yeah i mean the uh the mlb owners and the mlb players association are essentially the uh the Capulets and the Montagues for any of you English mm-hmm. majors out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're just never going to agree on anything. Right. Um, you know, it's just going to hit to the point, you know, I, I just don't know what's going to happen with this. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't happy about a lot of what Blake Snell said during that whole Twitch thing. Um, but then I sat back and looked at it and then looked at how the owners responded to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I began to think to myself, why would I ever defend an owner? Why would I ever defend these billion dollar owners and anything that they do? They already agreed to prorate the salaries as baseball players. And then they're going to try and cut these players even more and take even further pay cuts as it goes on for more and more. No baseball. You know, if the MLB is so afraid about losing money, then sell your team, you know, sell mm-hmm. the, 
sell the team if you're so afraid about losing this much money and losing this much profit. You've watched over the last 20 years your team's valuation triple for mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of these yeah. teams valuations have tripled over the last 20 years you know mm-hmm. these a lot of these teams you know Garrett Cole just made how much money in free agency they have had mm-hmm. no problem paying with these players these incredible salaries it's like you know not that anybody should be prepared for a pandemic that shuts down the country for 4 months three months, whatever it is. But at the same time, if you're not prepared to ride with the bad times of your team and just complain about profit loss, then sell because you're not going to win anybody over as far as owner or fans and players. You're not going to win any of them over complaining about losing money as you're valued at $2 billion. It's just never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, if you, if, if you have a business that's at this scale, you should be prepared for you to lose money for a four month stretch, stretch potentially. Uh, you know, I, there's this myth that baseball teams don't make money. Every baseball team makes money. Every team's evaluation is getting higher and higher every year, just because certain teams, you know, put certain things to get, uh, not have to pay as many much taxes. That does not necessarily mean, and listen, I'm not someone who hates people who make money. Uh, you know, I think that part of, the the flip side of yes we make money off of these off of the players but the flip side is usually well if things go wrong we're the ones who have to lose the money and now that things have gone wrong they're trying to get away get around losing money it's just uh forget about the ethics of it it's just stupid business it's you have a prime opportunity to get your sport to be the thing that everybody is watching people that haven't watched baseball in years will watch it and probably possibly like it you know i mean i fell out of baseball for a while i got back into it a couple years ago and was like man i I, i've been missing out i really love this sport that could happen to so many people if you do it and they're just they they, they're just dumb yeah i just think that you know the baseball as far as ownership goes they've wanted to change things for a while now but they're now like trying to use this stoppage as a way to negotiate an entire cba and it's just Mm -hmm. not working you know, they're not going to negotiate an entire CBA in a month. They've wanted salary cap for quite a bit now and haven't been able to negotiate it. And, you know, these two sides are just never going to agree on these topics. And they've shown over time that they'll never agree on these topics. And I just don't know where it goes. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I would love to see baseball. I love baseball, of course. But I, I don't see this season happening. I think a lot of these owners are going to be like, we're, lo- we're going to lose too much money without any fans. Let's just pack it in and get ready for 2021. That's kind of where I see them at right now. Mm-hmm. And listen, like I, I also get like there are other risks. It's not just the players. It's all because I, I mentioned it's yeah. the sport that play. You know, like uh, the, this is an obscure reference, but there's a the television show called Big Brother, and they had a Canadian version. And you know, everyone was thinking like, well, it's safe to be in there because they're all quarantined together. But then they had to shut it down because of the crew was in close uh, proximity. The crews are definitely uh, another part, and we don't want to be risking these things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Blake Snell is is kind of right. Of it's like if I'm the one who's going to be risking risking his life, which is you know it's a bit dramatic, but it also is technically true. Uh, then why am I also taking these huge play pay cuts when I could also blow out my arm and be you know potentially be done for the rest of for my career. You know, we don't know how many years you're going to have left. Yeah. I mean, I'm with it. You, I mean, I thought, you know, the Blake Snell thing, of course, this was like what a month after you said it's basically the flu. Um, and that mm-hmm. was a huge thing that came out after the fact. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I disagreed with a lot of Blake Snell said, but I understood the sentiment. 
that, mm-hmm. you know, these guys, you know, the owners are asking everybody else, you know, they furloughed so many employees, they've cut so many minor leaguers. They, they're asking everybody else to take a cut and understand, except for themselves, because right. it's about, oh, we got to get back to our profit margins. We have to make money. Well, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's making money right now. You know, yeah. nobody's even mm-hmm. like, you know, no, there's so many people out of a job. You know, the fact that you have any income is a positive. I just think that, you know, everyone's going to lose money at this point. It's whether mm-hmm. if you want your product to stay on the field or not is going to be the big question. Because, you know, if this if these two sides disagreeing is going to end the 2020 season, then how many fans that aren't the loyal diehard fan base are going to come back in 2021 when they, mm-hmm. you know, the owners show their face that they don't really care about the fans and what they think. It's all about just profit margins. How many of those people are going to come back at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and you know, like, listen, I'm someone who has, I'm as someone who has been a fan of a team with a owner that I'm not a huge fan of, uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I know a lot about this already. I haven't bought a ticket from the Rays in years. I've gone to a game, at least one game every year. Uh, but I'm, I'm using, you know, SeatGeek, which, uh, you know, was a sponsor until everything shut down. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, that's what I use because it's like, I'm not going to support you. I'd rather, you know, do this and also save money, but mostly because I don't want to support the team. I don't buy a drink there. I, you know, I, I eat food before I go partially just out of annoyance for, for how these things go. And I think a lot of people will feel that way next year as well. Yeah. Plus, you know, driving to St. Petersburg is probably the worst thing imaginable. So yeah, Um, Yeah, also that. (laughs) Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, uh, uh, John Henry has won me a lot of championships. So I guess there's that, Mm -hmm. but he also screwed me out of like a decade of Mookie bets. So that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's just how I feel kind of about a lot of these owners. You know, I think that there are owners who are very interested and engaged and take the fans and what they want very seriously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a really good thing. You know, I think Robert Kraft is a great owner because of that. He takes what the fans want and he's very interested in, in, appealing to the fans of the Patriots. A guy mm-hmm. like uh, Jacobs, the Bruins owner, is kind of the scum of the earth. Yeah. And he doesn't care about anything except for his profit margins. The Bruins were the last team to say that they were going to pay any of the uh, families of uh, you know the workers who uh, lost all those games, and it only lasted a week or something like that. You know, He's kind of scum of the earth, and he's a billionaire, and that's kind of just how it is. I'm not an eat-the-rich guy or anything along those lines. I just mm-hmm. think that you know when you're dealing with these people – you have to understand that some of them actually are interested in being an owner and being a fan of the team. And then some of them are just interested in making money and they're making money off of you. And that's just kind of how it is in professional sports. Yeah. And unfortunately it is, it's, there's no better investment you can get than getting a, getting a team because those things they they do, they, they just print money once you sell them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unless you have any other final thoughts, uh, ready to wrap this one up. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with baseball. But it seems like we're finally going to get sports back. Uh, you know, Premier League is back in 16 days. Liverpool needs two wins to win the title. I'm going for that. I'm good okay. after that. <laughs> all right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so stay tuned for all of our uh, Liverpool coverage coming up these next couple of weeks. Uh, we will see you next Sunday. And until then, have a good one. All right. Peace.